The following audio is from Park Church in Denver, Colorado. More information about Park Church is available online at parkchurchdenver.org. This Sunday, we'll be taking a break from the Gospel of Matthew. Today's scripture reading is found in Colossians 3, 1-4. Please turn there now. Again, we are looking at Colossians 3, 1-4. If then you have been raised to Christ... Seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. This is the word of the Lord. Hey Park Church, my name is Chris and uh, I'm one of the pastors here at the church and it's my great privilege today to be able to share God's word with you today and I just want to wish um, all the moms a uh, happy Mother's Day. Uh, I hope you have a restful and blessed day um, and I hope you feel loved and appreciated not just today, uh, every day, but especially today that you would feel loved and appreciated and cared for Today. So happy Mother's Day to all of the moms out there. Um, since it's Mother's Day, uh, we decided to take a break from our Matthew series and speak on a different subject that, that we thought would be encouraging to moms, but also to, to anybody else. So hopefully today will be a blessing to everyone uh, hearing God's word today. Uh, so if you haven't already, go ahead and grab a Bible and open up to Colossians chapter 3. Uh, Colossians 3 verses 1 through 4 will be our main text for today. And as you turn in there, why, let me just go ahead and take a moment uh, to pray for us. Father, we do thank you for this uh, opportunity you've given us to gather together uh, remotely. It, it feels so strange that we're scattered around the city. But Lord, we know that we are bound together by your grace. We are bound together by your spirit. And so, Lord, in this moment, as we've already been singing praises to you, we ask that in this moment uh, we would hear you speak, uh, that through your word, by the power of the Spirit, God, that we would hear exactly what you would have for us to hear today. So, God, give us ears to hear, um, and by your grace, help us to do what you call us to do and believe what you call us to believe today. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, Two of the most important questions a person could ever ask are, first, who am I? And then that second question flows out of that, why am I here? So who am I and why am I here are two of the most fundamental and important questions you could ever be asked or you could ever ask yourself. And how, really, how you answer or don't answer those questions will absolutely shape uh, your entire direction of your life. How you answer those questions is so powerful because it, re it reveals what you, where you find your identity. And it also reveals uh, kind of your purpose for being alive, right? So the question of who am I is an identity question. And then, then the question of well, why am I here? That's a purpose question. Why am I even alive? 
but I'm not the only one who sees the importance of how someone answers those questions. It's not just me. It's not just pastors. Uh, philosophers all through history have wrestled with those questions and, and found them to be some of the most fundamental and compelling questions a human being could ever ask themselves. Philosophers across the spectrum, not just Christian philosophers, but atheistic philosophers, agnostic philosophers, would agree the issues surrounding our identity and our purpose are the most shaping and transformative as human beings. Uh, here's how... Uh, one of those great philosophers and theologians, Dolly Parton. Um, by the way, uh, you might be too young to know who she is. You can Google her. You'll see she actually has quite a fantastic musical career. But here's what Dolly had to say about the importance and the impact of discovering our identity and purpose. She said, figure out who you are and then do it on purpose. And I believe that's really great advice. And the good news of the gospel is this. God's word reveals our identity and purpose in the very first book of the Bible, right? So you don't really have to, it's not that hard to figure it out. It's not that hard to find what our identity and our purpose is. It's in the very first book of the Bible, first chapter of that book. So if you want to turn there, you can. Genesis chapter 1. Uh, go ahead and turn there. And the context of the biblical account here is the account of creation. So the Bible begins with God creating all that is. And in the last phase of God's creation, as he was creating the world, God created the first man and the first woman, our first parents, Adam and Eve, the Bible tells us. And listen how the author of Genesis describes creating Human beings, the man and the woman. Genesis 1, beginning in verse 26, says, Then God said, all right, so then God said, Let us, so you have God singular, and then he says, Let us. So there you see uh, this singular God is made up of a plurality, the holy community. We'll find out later on in the Bible. The Father, Son, and Spirit, we call the Trinity. So God said, Let us make man, notice this, in our image, after our likeness. So it's so important to understand what that's saying. Let me tell you first what that is not saying. That is not saying that when God created the man, when God created the woman, he made us to physically look like God, right? So, so it's not like God has an arm, so he gave us arms. It's not like God has a nose, so he gave us noses. That's not what it means to be created in the image and likeness of God. What this is saying is that among all of his creation, the man and the woman were created in such a way to reflect the character and the nature of God, to reflect the will and the ways of God in the world. And this is a unique thing. No other part of creation no trees, no animals, no mountains, no streams, no rivers uh, were said to be created in the image of God. This is unique to human beings, right? So it says, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens. So notice, flowing out of identity, right, that we are made in the image and likeness of God, it immediately shifts to purpose, the two are linked together. Once you know identity, you also know purpose. So we're creating the image of God, the likeness of God. 
And then let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. This is one of the ways we're image bearers of God. God has dominion over creation. And so God placed the man and the woman under him to rule over, have dominion over his creation. And in that, we are reflecting the character and nature of God. So have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God, here he goes again. Here's identity. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. And notice this is very important. Male and female, he created them. Men and women both are created in the image of God. They're image bearers of God. Um, without one or the other, God would not be properly reflected in the world. It required both the man and the woman. And God blessed them and said to them, here's more purpose. He said, be fruitful and multiply. Have babies, right? Fill up the earth that way. And then he says, and fill the earth and subdue it. The fill there is not referring to have a bunch of babies. That's not what it's talking about. It's actually saying, uh, God is saying, hey, listen, I gave you this beautiful blank canvas. Now do something with it. I've given you everything you need to reflect my creativity in the world. So, so take these things I've given you and fill in this canvas that I've created. And then he said, subdue it and have, again, have dominion over it. Subdue and dominion are this idea of ruling over, but not in an oppressive way. Uh, it's this idea of shepherding and caring for his creation the way God shepherds and cares for us and the rest of his creation. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So, to summarize, human beings were created for the purpose of representing God's rule and authority in the world. We were created for the purpose of reflecting the character and nature of God, to carry out the will and the ways of God in his creation as a perfect reflection of him. Another way of saying it, God created humanity to ensure that how things are done in heaven would also be done on earth. Sounds familiar, right? Sounds like something Jesus told us to pray for. But that all fell apart, unfortunately, in Genesis 3, as you, many of you know the story. In Genesis 3, we see the tempter, also called Satan in the Bible. He appears and he deceives our first parents. He led them to believe that true life and joy could be found not in finding your identity in being, in being an image bearer of God, but rather in becoming gods themselves by achieving their identity through their own effort and their own disobedience rather than receiving their identity as a gift from God and the way to true freedom and the life that is really life. And that decision and all the consequences of that decision have resulted in the sin and devastation we see in the world through all of history, up to this very day. But thank God, <laughs> that's not the end of the story, amen? It's not the end of the story. At the end of the day, here's the good news. God will always get what he wants. Let me say that again. 
at the end of the day, God will always get what he wants. And what God wants is a world filled with people who find their identity in him, who find their purpose for life, find their meaning for life through a relationship with him. And by the way, that's why Jesus came. Jesus came to be the true Adam who succeeded where the first Adam failed. That's what Jesus came to achieve 2,000 years ago through his life, death, and resurrection. As we uh, remember that we are in Eastertide and we're celebrating and remembering the, the 50 days from the resurrection of Jesus to Passover, that's what Jesus accomplished in his resurrection, recreating people into his image for the glory of God and the good of the world. What a high calling as human beings, as image bearers of God. Now, you know, the, the Apostle Paul speaks of the effect of Christ's work for us uh, in a really beautiful way in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 and 18. Listen to how Paul talks about this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, and that's identity language. Anyone who's a follower of Jesus Christ has been placed into Christ. Now, Christ's identity is now your identity as a follower of Jesus. So, so anyone who is in Christ, li listen to this amazing news. That person is a new creation. You're being made new. Why? Because what did God want? What he wanted was a world filled with people who find their identity in being image bearers of God. And so Christ came to make sure that that happened. Even though the fall happened and there was sin, Christ came to fix and repair what was broken. It says that person is a new creation. Uh, this is awesome. Here's the good news. Some of you need to hear this today. I would say all of us need to hear this today, but some of you are really down on yourself right now. Uh, and you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you need to hear this. The old has passed away. That old self of trying to find identity through achievement, trying to find identity even through your own sin and your own rebellion against God, being an enemy of God, that identity has been passed away. And here's the good news. Behold, the new has come. You are now part of the new creation that's breaking into the world and has been since the resurrection of Jesus and will continue until Jesus returns. And then Paul finishes this up at the beginning of verse 18 with this epic statement. All this is from God. It's not something we achieve. It's not something we earn. This identity is something that is received. And Paul is clearly affirming the reality that God's way for us to understanding our identity is by receiving our identity from him through the work of his son, Jesus. It's not, again, it's not by achieving our identity through our effort, through our religion, through trying to obey all the rules, but rather receiving this identity through faith and by his grace. And now, that leads us to our main text for today. So hopefully you have your Bible there. Look at Colossians chapter 3, verses uh, 1 through 4. 
And what we're going to see in this passage, there's so many other things we could look at, but just three things, three marks of the new identity. So if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you've been made alive in Christ, Jesus is your new identity now for eternity. That's never going to change. Here are some marks you, you'll notice, you'll see in your life, some truths, some, some realities in your life. Number one, uh, you're going to have a new pursuit. You're going to have a new pursuit in your life. Now, you might be asking, what do I mean by that? Well, when someone begins to understand their new identity in Christ, which was given to, to them the moment a follow, they become a follower of Jesus, the moment uh, they're born again, to use Bible language there, what they want to pursue in their life will begin to change. Your old self had other pursuits. Your heart had other desires. There were other things you wanted to be doing with your life. But now that your identity is in Christ, something has changed. You're a new creation. You have new pursuits. You have new desires. Along with that new identity comes these new affections and the ability and power that you didn't have before you were a follower of Jesus. The ability and power to actually pursue the things that bring God glory. The kinds of things that actually give you and provide for you deep down soul joy. Deep down satisfaction in the depths of your being. What good news. What good news for us today. So notice how Paul talks about that in verse 1 there in Colossians chapter 3. He says, if then you've been raised with Christ, right? If you've been raised with Christ, that's another way of saying uh, you, you were dead in your sins. Now your identity is with Christ. And when Christ was raised from the dead, uh, you now identi are identifying with that by uh, his grace through faith. His resurrection is now your resurrection. You are dead spiritually. Now you're alive because Christ is alive. He says, if that's you, if you've been raised with Christ, seek, right? The word there is pursue, chase after, be passionate about the things that are above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Here, here's the main point. Paul is making here. When you put your faith in Jesus, you were given or you will be given new life and a new identity in Jesus, right? You're raised, notice the wording, with Jesus. His resurrection is your resurrection. His identity is your identity. Along with that, came, or if you're not yet a believer, will come the desire and power to live in ways that reflect the character and nature of Jesus. Now, you didn't have that before. That, that wasn't something you possessed in your old identity, in your old self. But, but that old self is gone now. You're new. You're a new creation. So you have these, these new desires, and you have this power and ability given to us by the Spirit of God. And this is all part of your new identity in Jesus. Now, I think it's important to mention here, this doesn't mean that you still won't struggle with sin or temptation. No, that, that's not what this means. The Bible 
really teaches the opposite. And in a lot of ways, uh, this has been my experience and this is what the Bible seems to teach. A lot of ways, temptation to sin might be even stronger for you now that you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Because now you will be under spiritual attack by the enemy, right? Uh, And before, you, you weren't really in that spiritual battle. He didn't really have to worry about you too much because you were already his. You were already dead. You, you were already living out of that old identity. But now that you are in Christ, you've received Christ, now you are the enemy of the tempter, of Satan himself. So this doesn't teach some kind of Christian perfectionism uh, in this life. Paul is just simply telling us, When we are placed into Jesus through faith by his grace, we are given new desires and the ability to pursue those desires that lead us to the life that is really life. The life that Jesus promised that all who put their faith and trust in him would ultimately experience. So that's the first mark of this new identity that Paul mentions. Uh, There will be new pursuits in your life. Uh, And that begins to line up with your identity in Jesus more and more over the years. The longer you know Christ, the longer you grow in your relationship with him, the more your affections, the more you're pursuing will line up more with the the desire and the will of God. Now, the next mark or or, uh, truth he mentions here for those who are in Christ is this. There's also going to be a new way of thinking. The moment Jesus is now your identity, your thinking Uh, slowly over time begins to change. Paul in another place in the New Testament says that we have now the mind of Christ. Before your identity was in Jesus, you definitely didn't have the mind of Christ. Trust me, right? (laughs) My, My testimony, that's the case. I did not have the mind of Christ. The Bible tells me that I didn't have the mind of Christ and either did you. But now that you are in Christ, there's a new way of thinking. This is absolutely crucial to understand if you are ever going to begin to experience the transformation that comes along with our new identity in Jesus. Our thinking must conform to our identity in Christ. Our thinking should not conform to the old identity that was marked by rebellion against God. So Paul talks about this in another passage in the New Testament in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It's probably familiar for you. Listen to how Paul talks about this in that passage. He says, do not conform to this world. And the idea there is don't be pressed in by the mold of the world. Like you sh- you, you're, the way you live, the way you think, the way you act, it shouldn't be completely reflecting the ways of the world. Uh, don't be pressed into the mold of the world, which by the way works from the outside in, right? You're being pressed on the outside to look like the world. Nope. He says, don't let that happen, but be transformed. And that word transformed is the word we get metamorphosis from, right? It's, it's the kind of transformation that doesn't happen from the outside in. It happens from the inside out by the power of God and our new identity in Christ. Well, how does that transformation happen? Partly, notice what it says, by the renewal of your mind, by your thinking changing. And as your thinking changes, you change. 
And then he goes on to say, and that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. The more you're transformed by the truth of God and his word, the character and nature of God, the more your life is going to line up with the will of God. And this is good and acceptable and, and perfect. Now, do you see the importance of how we think? It's massive. How we think determines how we live. And as new creations in Christ, we have a, a new identity, and that includes a new way of thinking. So Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, 2, notice what he says. Set your mind on things that are, what, above. Set your minds. Fix your thoughts. Think about the things the way God thinks about things, not on things that are on the earth. Again, Let's clarify this. Let's, let's talk about what this doesn't mean, all right? This doesn't mean that we should spend all our time only reading the Bible and praying and focusing on God to the point of neglecting our responsibilities and callings in the world, right? That's not what he's saying. It's not endorsing some kind of Christian isolationism. That's actually the opposite of what the Bible teaches for Christians, a few weeks ago, we talked about this. We are called as salt and light in the world, right? For salt to be effective, it has to be mixed in to the world. It has to, to be in the world, serving and loving the world. For light to work, it has to be in the darkness. Without darkness, light doesn't matter. It's not effective. We are to be actively mixed in and engaged with the world that God has placed us in. What Paul is saying is this, understand how powerful your mind is. Understand how powerful thinking is for your transformation into the image of Jesus. How you think is how you will live. So fill your mind with the truth. That's what Paul's saying. Think about the things that the true reality of the throne room of God and how things work and operate there. Think that way. Go to the source of your identity, Jesus himself, and be transformed, Paul says, from the inside out. That's the power of this new identity, and that's the power of this new way of thinking. God's truth, his word, the Bible, is actually able to transform you from the inside out in, in such a way that the way you begin to think and the way we begin to act, the way we begin to live, begins to reflect the character and nature of Jesus in the world, which is what God originally created us to be. That is our original purpose. That's our original identity. And that's the power of setting our minds on things that are above. Uh, it's about 12 years ago where I saw this reality kind of flushed out in life in the life of my son. My son, Brennan, is now 16. Uh, this was about 12 years ago, so he was around three or four. And uh, he loved Superman. And I, I'm not so sure if he loved Superman or if he loved the fact that he got to wear a cape when he was playing, acting like he was Superman. And uh, I just remember this, my wife telling me this. I wasn't there for this, for this episode in his life, but my wife took Brennan to a playground with some other moms and kids. And uh, he got up on the monkey bars and he had his 
cape on and she watched him. He's climbing up on the monkey bars and kind of on the inside of the monkey bars. And she could see that he was looking across to the other side and she's trying to figure out what's he doing because he wasn't going up higher so that he could actually grab the bars that go across and try and pull himself across to the other side. Uh, and then oh, just instantly she saw something flash in his eyes and he just jumped straight out from the monkey bars almost from the top step and fell flat on his belly. And the amazing thing is Adrian was shocked because he actually didn't start crying. His expression or his reaction wasn't pain or crying. It was simply shock. He was shocked that he couldn't fly like Superman. Because every time Superman has a cape, he can fly, so why can't Brennan fly when he has a cape? You see, you see the power of thinking. He thought he could do this. He believed he could do this. And he just jumped and realized, nope, didn't work. And, and that, in a sense, is how we think determines our lives, determines our actions. One of the marks of your new identity in Jesus is that you will have a new way of thinking. Make sure you are thinking in this new way, not in the old way. And then the last mark, the third mark that Paul mentions here is a new way to find life. Let's be honest. A new way to find life? Yeah. We're all searching for the good life, right? Aren't we? Can we just be honest? We all want to live the best possible life with the relatively few short years we have. It's true of all of us. Everywhere we turn, we're presented with different versions of the good life. And honestly, let me just, as an aside, here's what I'm hoping we're going to learn during this global pandemic that we've all been experiencing for the last number of months. What, I, what I'm hoping we're, we're going we're, we're to learn is the importance of relationships. Over and over, I hear people talking about missing being able to just connect face-to-face -face with people. I hear it all the time. I have said it multiple times. So maybe part of what God is teaching us is that the good life, if it's anything, includes real, close, deep relationships. And the primary relationship related to the good life is really clear in the Bible. It's our relationship with Jesus Christ. Notice how Paul explains that in verses 3 through 4. For you have died, that old way, that old identity, that's dead now. And your life, look at how beautiful this, is hidden with Christ in God. Do you see how secure your identity is in Christ? It's hidden. Nobody can get to it. It's, it's completely secure with Christ in God. Like doubly secure. You're in Christ with the Father. And then notice this. When Christ, who is your life. Think about that. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. Did you see that? One of the marks of someone who's received a new identity in Jesus is this. Is that Jesus is their life. 
And Jesus promised this in John 10.10 that he said, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly, or some translations will say, and have it to the full. Jesus is saying that there, that he is the only source of true life, the life that is really life. Paul makes that claim about Jesus himself. Paul says that multiple times about Jesus, that Jesus is his life, that Jesus is the only way to true life. And he, Paul himself, experienced that transformation that comes from finding his life in Jesus. He went from, remember this, his name used to be Saul. He he went from killing and persecuting Christians to preaching the gospel of Jesus and being used by God to make Christians. Jesus also made the claim that he is the source of true life, the good life, the life that is really life. And then he actually backed it up by conquering death and hell and the grave. And he did all of that in his resurrection. Now, I I don't know about you, but I'm going to listen to someone who was able to do that. Seems to me he would be an authority on what true life is all about. So let me end with this. Christian moms, it's Mother's Day. Let me just speak to you directly. Christian moms, be encouraged. Just be encouraged today. Your identity is not determined by how great of a mom you are. Thank God, right? Your position in standing before God will never change. No matter how your children turn out, Jesus is your life. Jesus is your identity. You are hidden and secure in him. Nothing can change that. So moms, today, rest in Jesus. Live out of your new identity in Christ. See yourself how God sees you, fully loved, fully accepted, and embraced in him. Not because you achieved that identity, but because you received it through faith by God's grace in Jesus. And then for all of us as followers of Jesus Christ, the same goes for us. You're not loved and accepted by God because you earned it. I know that's what religion says, but we're not talking about religion here. We're talking about the gospel. We're talking about the faith of following Jesus Christ. You're not loved and accepted by God because you earned it. Your new identity in Jesus wasn't something you achieved. It's something that was achieved for you in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And it's yours purely by God's grace received by faith. Don't believe the lie that the good life is found in your career or your education or your money, or your home, or family, or your perfect physique, or your attempts at religious obedience, it's only found, it's hidden with Christ and God, where no matter what happens in life, no matter how many times you fail and don't measure up, no matter how many times you're not crushing it at work, you're fully loved and accepted by the Father. Praise be to God. Let's pray. Father God, we do love you. We are so thankful for your grace and your mercy. 
I just want to say thank you that we don't have to earn this life that is really life, that it's not something we achieve, it's something that your son achieved for us, and now we receive through faith by your grace. God, right now, would you just encourage the heart of your people who are hearing this today? There's a lot of moms, there's a lot of Christians that are just beating themselves up because they're not measuring up to the life they see on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, Lord. I just pray right now you'd encourage their hearts. Help them to set their minds on things above. And what we've heard today are those things that are from above, that flow out of this new identity we have in your son. So God, may we this day and this week walk in that identity for your glory and our own joy. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.